Seeking for the help of the Lord, I direct your prayer for attention to Job chapter 17. And reading for our text, especially the first part of verse 9. The righteous also shall hold on his way. And I desire again to speak on the series The Way. It is possible that this evening be the last one in this series. It's a very important subject. It is the endurance, the perseverance of the saints. They can be continuing on in the way that God has set his dear people. And our text is a promise of that. The righteous shall hold on his way. Uh, the rendering of the authorised version here, it is the righteous also shall hold on his way. Looking at the uh, originals and other translations, it perhaps more rightly should be translated, but the righteous shall hold on his way, or yet the righteous shall hold on his way. The word also would imply other things that have been said concerning the righteous, but here we find many things that are against, many things that are opposing Job, especially in his path. And many times throughout the Word of God, we find all of these enemies, adversaries, obstacles, and after relating all of these things, then we have the yet or but. And so, yet the righteous shall hold on his way, or but the righteous shall hold on his way. And so that's how we understand the rendering here. The righteous also shall hold on his way. Having related all of those that are speaking flattery and making him a byword, uh, and his eye is filled with sorrow, all my members, he said, as a shadow, and even upright men astonished at this, and many things that are opposing him. One cannot think of a more dark path than the one that Job walked. And we know that Satan's aim was to cause that he would not hold on his way. His word was, an accusation against Job, was that the only reason why he served God was that God had put a hedge about him and blessed all that he had. And Satan said that if God was to touch all that he had, Job would turn round and curse God to his face. And when he didn't do that at first, then he said, well, all that a man has will he give for his life touch his life, touch his health, his strength, his body, then he will curse thee. And really the whole book of Job, it proves Satan a liar. Job did hold on his way. He did come out of the trial and he still was a believer. He still trusted in God. Many things were learned. Many things he said that were not right. 
Many things his friends had to learn, looking on when they saw his trials. But in the end, Job was vindicated, God was vindicated. Job was truly one of those that were righteous, and he did hold on his way. But Satan will all the time try to trip the people of God up. He tried to do so with Peter, and our Lord warned, he said to Peter, Satan hath desired to have you, to sift thee as sift you as wheat, but I prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And he desires that for all of the people of God. But we have this promise here, and right through the word of God, that where the Lord puts his dear people into the way of life, then they shall endure unto the end. They shall persevere unto the end. They will hold on their way. Though they have storms against them, Satan against them, the world against them, their own evil heart against them, this blessed promise, the righteous also shall hold on his way. So, is such a blessing in the word before us it would be a solemn thing if this was said of the ungodly, if this was said of us, even the righteous by nature, if it was said that he shall hold on his way. The whole hope of the gospel and the preaching of the gospel is that sinners walking in ways of sin and on the high road to hell will not hold on their way. They will be stopped in their mad career. They will be turned unto the Lord. They will forsake the ways of wickedness. So it's a solemn thing. If we were to hold on that way of evil, I believe this is one of the reasons why that Adam and Eve were banished from the Garden of Eden, lest they touch the tree of life, almost implying if they were to have eternal life in the fallen state that they were in if they were to continue in that state that it would be a most solemn state and condition the way of salvation is through death through the sentence being enacted and death then being made a pathway to heaven that this mortality put on immortality and that this corruptible put on incorruption and that way of escape was not by just getting eternal life or continuing in life in a fallen state and condition. And so we would say to any that are strangers to the Lord, any that are going the way of their own heart, going the way of the world and do not know the way of the Lord, the worst thing that ever can happen to you is to hold on your way resisting every warning, every prick of conscience, everything that is set before you to warn you of your state and condition and to set before you the need of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Do not hold on a way of wickedness. The word of God is very clear. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him turn unto the Lord and the promise is that the Lord will have mercy and the Lord will save whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord 
shall be saved. Well, I want to look at the word that is before us and look first at the righteous because this promise is to the righteous. So we need to ask ourselves who are those that are being spoken of. And then secondly, the way that he shall hold on. Our text says, the righteous also shall hold on his way. And then lastly, the promise, the shall, shall hold on his way. And the remainder of the verse is another shall, and it will bring this in, it is bound up with it. And he that hath clean hands shall be stronger and stronger. But first we have the character that is set forth here, the righteous. Now we are told very clearly uh, in Romans chapter 3 and verse 10 that there is none righteous, no, not one. And the Apostle Paul is, is very clear in setting this forth as a foundation of salvation by grace alone. And so in Romans 3, he speaks of that state and condition of man, fallen man. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They're all gone out of the way. They all are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulchre. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips. There is no fear of God before their eyes. The way of peace they have not known. This is what the word of the Lord sets forth as what man is by nature and how we are born into this world and we are all born the same. God's dear children, those that are his elect, those that are his chosen ones, they are all the same. We are all enemies of God by nature. We are all fallen. We are all lost and ruined in the fall. There is no difference. We all come forth from the womb speaking of lies. So how is it then that we can have a word that is before us that says the righteous? Well, we know that there is only one truly righteous in himself, and that is the Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. And in one sense, we could apply this word to him, the righteous, the righteous one, our Lord Jesus Christ. He shall hold on his way. He only that is good. Our Lord had one come to him and say, Good master, and he challenged him. He said, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but God. But the Lord Jesus Christ is God. And we are told that he is made in all points like unto his brethren, but sin accepted. 
having a body, having a soul, exactly like his brethren, the seed of Abraham, eternally to be from that point united to the divinity, the divine person, the one person of our Lord, his divine nature, his humanity, his human nature. Humanity speaking of soul and body. That is all what we mean by that term. We could use it and say that it is the seed of Abraham, not a beast of the blood and flesh, not of angels, which is just spirit. It's vital that a soul and body is redeemed, that our Lord must be partakers of soul and body. It's one error that is being set forth again and again against our churches at this present time. And that is why I reaffirm that vital point of the existence of the soul of our Lord and that the position of the soul is not taken by our Lord's divine nature. No, it is a soul just the same as we have. So then, a people, if it is to be a people that are righteous, how are they righteous? Well, if we go to Isaiah chapter 54, and these chapters in Isaiah, really the gospel of Isaiah, the well-known chapter 53 speaks of the Lord's sufferings and death. But then when we come to 54, it is speaking of the church and the blessings that flow to the church through Christ's sufferings and death. And so we shouldn't be surprised when we come to verse 17, and it fits in very well, even with the promise of our text. The church of God, the people of God, no weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. That's where the righteousness of God's people come from. It comes from the Lord. It is imputed unto them by God. And that's why we read in Jeremiah chapter 23 and verse 6, In his days Judah shall be saved, and Israel shall dwell safely, and this is his name whereby he shall be called these words then are in capitals, the Lord our righteousness. This is the Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. It is the name that he has given. Then in Jeremiah 33, we read of the church of God. This is the name wherewith she shall be called. This time not all in capitals, but it is the same name, the Lord our righteousness. She is named after the Lord. Her righteousness is of God. 
And it is that the righteousness of our Lord, his perfect life and obedience, is put on the account of his believing people that they become righteous through him. He that hath two coats, let him give to him that hath none. When our Lord was crucified, he had his vesture, which was without a seam throughout. The soldiers who'd cast lots for his other garments said, let us not rend it, uh, but let us cast lots for it, whose it may be. A hymn writer takes it up. Without a seam, this garment's wove, bequeathed in everlasting love. Their time began designed to be a royal robe to cover thee. And it is a beautiful type of the robe of our Lord Jesus Christ, given as a righteousness for his people that have no good works to plead. Their sins are put away by our Lord on Calvary. His blood atones for their sin. Their belief in him, their faith in him, given by God. And when they believe, he gives them that righteousness, to be their righteousness before him. They do not stand naked before God. We do not have to, in all eternity, be all the time looking at all of our sins in thought, word and deed. But we have Christ's full clothing. The spouse in Song of Solomon says, I am black but comely. And that is the church of God, in themselves black, in themselves unrighteous, but in the Lord Jesus Christ they are counted righteous. So when we read in our text of a righteous person, the righteous, we are speaking of one that though they are unrighteous and their works sinful in themselves, yet they have been brought by the grace of God to believe and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and what he was to do in Job's case or in our case what he has done at Calvary in putting away our sin, dying in our place, suffering in our stead, rising again for our justification and for those that are given that faith, the Lord gives a righteousness which is theirs accounted theirs. They then are called the righteous. There's another aspect of this though. Everyone that has been called by the grace of God, everyone who has been brought to know their sinnership, flee to the Lord Jesus Christ and trust in him, they've been brought as well to forsake the ways of sin and wickedness and to walk in upright ways, righteous ways. This doesn't mean that their lives are sinless. No man can have a sinless life here below. But it does mean that when God converts a person, their lives change. 
Their lives are different. This is spoken of by John when he writes in his epistles, in the first epistle of John, and chapter 3. We read, little children, this is in verse 7, little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. It will always be that where God calls, where his sins have been put away, then he'll also sanctify He'll wash his people by the washing of water by the word. He'll teach them what is pleasing in his sight. He'll bring them to hate sin, to mourn over it, to fight against it. And the promise is that sin shall not have dominion over them. Those of us who are Lord's people, we are called to a daily struggle with sin. We feel its strength. We feel our depraved nature. We struggle against it. We feel to fail many, many times. And we have to often have recourse to pleading that precious blood shed on Calvary, pleading the promise. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so these things go together. So when we come to Job, and we go to the first two chapters in the book of Job, then we read what God says about Job himself. Job who is in the way. Job who is one of God's people. What did Job's life actually look like? What was the picture of it? Well, in Job chapter 1, verse 8, we read the Lord saying to Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil, or hateth and flees from evil. Now, God is not saying that Job is sinless. He is a sinner. But his outward walk, his outward conduct his life, his desire in life is to serve the Lord. He fears God. He lives as before God. He is an upright man. He hates evil. And this is the mark of Job. And this then is repeated in chapter 2. In chapter 2, verse 3, this is after Job had suffered the loss of all his family and his goods, and then Satan accuses him again. The Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil, and still he holdeth fast his integrity, although thou movest me against him to destroy him without cause? And this is where Satan again accuses Job and says, 
that skin for skin, yea, all that a man hath will he give for his life. And he thought if the Lord would only put forth his hand and touch him, then he would curse God. Well, he did not do that. God prevented him from taking Job's life and yet Job was so greatly afflicted. But this word of our text proved true with Job. The righteous also shall hold on his way. He kept on his way as one of the Lord's dear people and yet uh, through such adversity, such trials, we're reminded of our Lord's word in me ye shall have peace, in the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. May we never think that just because we uh, are righteous, just because we're a believer or walking in the right way, as the Lord has put us in the right way that leadeth unto life and trusting in the Lord, that we will never have trials never have illness, never have everything going against us, never have troubles. Here Job had added to his troubles his own friends that didn't understand him, of which he says, miserable comforters are ye all, who thought that because the trial went on and on, that surely there was something wrong with his life, why the Lord was allowing this. And even his wife, when he was afflicted, said, Curse God and die. Why uh, withholdest thou thine integrity, undermined even by his wife? Great, great trial. And later on, even the Lord, uh, he couldn't find his God. Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come even unto his seed. But he says, Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. This is the righteous this is uh, job this is god's people they are righteous because god has made them righteous they are in the way because god has put them in the way they are believers they are those that trust in christ they're those that following the word of god they're true disciples if you continue in my word you shall might be my disciples indeed. This is the righteous. May we be very clear that these two things are so necessary, righteous in Christ and also living a righteous life. But when we think of God said that he would destroy the world, then he found only one righteous and that was Noah. He found favour in the eyes of the Lord. When the Lord was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, we read of Abraham making intercession, especially for Lot. He says, Wilt thou destroy the righteous with the wicked? You might say, Well, Lot wasn't doing very good living in Sodom with all their wickedness, was he? But he was a righteous man. He was one that feared God. He was one of God's children. And Abraham was pleading that God would not destroy him with the rest of the wicked inhabitants of Sodom and Gomorrah. And the Lord did. We read, when the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, he remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the overthrown. 
The Lord will have a regard to the work of his own hands. He does know those that are his. The kingdom of God standeth sure. Having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. And those that are his, in his time and his way, he will bless the word to them, bless the preaching to them, bring them to know that they are sinners, to repent of their sinnership and to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and to seek to live godly, upright lives, walking in the light of his countenance with his word as their guide. And it is these that are designated here the righteous. Well, I want to look then Secondly, the way that he shall hold on. The righteous also shall hold on his way. Again, there is a couple of ways of looking at this. If we were to think of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, and for all of the Lord's dear people, Though remember this, which we have in this series spoken of, our Lord saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto me, uh, unto the Father, but by me. And the Lord Jesus Christ is the way of the righteous. The Lord Jesus Christ is his way. And he shall hold on his way. The Lord won't let go of his people and his people won't let go of him. It's a great mercy never to be moved off the Lord Jesus Christ. Going back to dear Peter, we think of how Peter was even left to deny his Lord and Master three times. But the Lord had prayed for him that his faith fail not. And he was restored. He came out of that trial still a believer. The great blessing is that we hold onto Christ as the way. That we hold onto the only one who is the way. His way. Christ's way. Another aspect of looking at this is the Lord has put his dear people in the way of righteousness, in the way of holiness. He's put them in the way of salvation. Set them in Christ's way, the way of his beloved Son. And really what this is, setting forth is this way that he's been put in, he will keep on in that way. He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. Not turning to the right hand or turning to the left. The righteous also shall hold on his way. It is the way of the Lord. And putting this it is spoken of as this is now his way. 
We spoke of the solemnity of by nature going the wrong way and in one sense it may be said that is the ungodly and wicked's way. That is his way. It belongs to him. But when the Lord changes the heart, renews the will, turns the feet to Zion's hill, then the way is different. And it's not just the righteous shall hold on a way, or even the way, but it's put his way that is actually belonging now to him. A way that belongs to him. You know, we might have several people and they've got to go to a destination. Maybe it's a master with servants. And he says to one, now you go that way and you go that way and you go that way. And he sets them in that way. And the way that they're going, it is his way. It is it belongs to each one individually the way that they've been set in. We know that all the Lord's dear people are set in the way of the Lord, the one and only way of salvation. When our Lord brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, then we are told he did not bring them by the way of the Philistines, though that was near, but by the way of the wilderness, we spoke of that last week. And that, that, that then became their way. And the Lord was with them in that way. But this belongs to each personally, each uh, one that is having to run the race that is set before them, looking unto Jesus as the apostle exhorted us to do. The righteous also shall hold on his way. So if we are called, you say, what way am I to hold on to? The way the Lord has set you in. To set you going in that way that he has called you to walk in. The way that is mapped out in the word of God. The way that he has chosen for us. And again, there's another aspect of this as well. Because God's dear children, they have many different experiences in their life. You only got to look in Acts and we think of James. He lost his life very quick with the sword of Herod. Stephen, he was the first martyr, stoned, which Saul was the witness of. Uh, we have the path of the apostles very different. Some were called to one place and some were called to another path. Some had great sufferings, others not. And we God's children. They also have a way that is chosen by the Lord to walk in. And for you and I, how we so need grace and help to continue and not think, well, I'd be a good Christian. Uh, I, I, I would get safely to heaven if I had the lot of this, my brother, because 
He doesn't have the trials I have. And he has a better lot and better than me. As if there's a disconnect between call by grace and what the Lord has appointed for us in this life. Some maintain health all their lives. Others, the Lord calls to be a paraplegic or to have illnesses that greatly reduce their strength. But in every part, it is a way that belongs to that person. The Apostle Paul was told when he had the thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet him and wanted it taken away as if, I want that way changed, Lord. And the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. And so this word here, the way of the righteous, hold on his way, in one way it may mean our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, that is the way of all of God's dear children. There's no other way of being saved. They will hold on that way. They'll hold on the way that the Lord has set them as a way of grace to be saved through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But they'll also hold on that way that the Lord has chosen for them through this life. What adversities like Job, what trials, what pathway that they are to walk. Dear Jacob, he said, all these things are against me. But he was to hold on his way. Another one of those righteous ones. So the way that he shall hold on is described here as his way. Well, we may ask, what is your way? What is what my way? Has God, by grace and mercy, made his beloved Son our way? Has he also brought us into subjection to what he has chosen should be our way through this life? We read in Romans 8.28 We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are the called according to his purpose. And so it's an inseparable thing as to what we go through and the grace and help that the Lord gives us so that we do hold on our way even though we're going through these things. We do not go back and walk no more with the Lord and to hold on his way where the Lord has taught us the secret of the Lord, where he's instructed us, where he's opened our eyes and shown us the right and the good way that we may walk therein. This is that way. And so really, you may say that those are not yet in the way. They need the Lord to put them in the way and to show them the way. But once in the way, it becomes his way, her way, their way, that the Lord has opened up to them, shown them, opened their eyes and put their feet into the way of truth and the way of life. And once in that way, 
then this is the promise, they shall continue in it. So I want to look at this lastly, the promise shall hold on his way. The shalls in this verse. Remember we said concerning the righteous that not only are they trusting in Christ for their spotless robe of righteousness, but they're also seeking to live godly and upright lives. And that is joined in the latter part of this verse where we read, And he that hath clean hands shall be stronger and stronger. And when there is the promise of holding on his way, all of God's people have against them an evil nature, an old nature, the sin that doth so easily beset them. The apostle says, The good that I would I do not, the evil that I would not that I do, a wretched man that I am. He felt the corruption within. And many a child of God has feared that that shall have the mastery over him. But we have this promise that their fruitfulness shall not fail. As they are united with Christ, Christ speaking of himself as the vine, his people as the branches, ye cannot bear fruit, the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, neither can ye except ye abide in me. From me is thy fruit found. And so the security of God's people is bound up with Christ. In John chapter 10, our Lord says that no man is able to pluck them, that is the righteous, his sheep, out of his hand. My Father, who is greater than I, no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. And so we have the perseverance of the saints, the continuance promised to them, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. It is Job's lot to go into this trial but to come out of it, Peter's lot to go into Satan's sieves but to come out of it, and the promise, he that endureth unto the end shall be saved. But here is the promise of those that shall endure unto the end, of those that are the righteous, those that God has accounted righteous, he's given them his righteousness, and they live righteous, upright lives, though not in themselves sinless. No, oft they need that fountain open for uncleanness, oft they need to plead that Saviour's precious blood, oft they need to plead for mercy and pardon. But that is the way. You know, Paul, he says that we are to grow in grace and in knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And sometimes we might think, well, that means you're getting more and more holy. But what is grace? Grace is the free and merited favour of God, is the direct opposite to works. We are not saved by our own works, but we are saved by the grace of our Lord. And if we are to grow in grace, then it is like John the Baptist said, 
I must decrease, he must increase. And often the experience of God's children is, as in Ezekiel, turn again, thou son of man, thou shalt see greater abominations than these. It's not a growing in more and more thought of our own holiness, but more and more understanding how fallen, how sinful, how corrupt we are and how we so need the grace and mercy of God. And as we go through life, more and more we'll be convinced of this. As the hymn writer says, If ever my poor soul be saved, tis Christ must be the way. And the more and more we're convinced of that, we will hold on our way. That way of the Lord Jesus Christ will be more and more suited to us, precious to us, more needed by us. We'll cleave more and more to him. The worst thing a soul can have is to grow independent of the Lord. The Lord warned the children of Israel when they came into the promised land that when they got houses and vineyards and prospered, lest they forget the Lord. And they did. They turned away from the Lord. Well, Job here, Job had been blessed with many, many blessings, but with all those he feared the Lord. It's a great thing for a man to be blessed with riches and yet not trust in those riches, but trust in the Lord, to hold those things that he has with a loose hand. Many times riches are a fool, riches are a snare, we see in Job this wasn't the case. And there's been many that uh, bless the Lord for his grace that have had riches in this world. But the Lord has blessed them with those greater riches and to value them in the Lord Jesus Christ. So we have this beautiful promise. And may it be a promise that we plead, we embrace, we thank the Lord for, and also to bless the Lord if ever he has put us in a way that is now designated our way, his way, given us by the Lord, put in the way of holiness, put in the way unto eternal life. And this promise, the righteous also shall hold on his way. And it's put in the context here. Many trials, many adversities, many troubles, all of these things against one and yet still to hold on his way. It's a wonderful thing. You can picture a ship in the sea with the wind and the waves and the storm and that ship just keeps going on in spite of it all, rocked around, tossed around but still holding to its course. And this is the picture here. The righteous also shall hold on his way. Or if rendered the righteous, but the righteous shall hold on his way, or yet the righteous shall hold on his way. The idea really is, is the same in this, a continuance and holding on his way. Well, may the Lord bless us with knowing that we are amongst the righteous. May he bless us with embracing this promise. We'll need it. And may we prove it true 
and that we hold on unto the end, trusting, cleaving in the Lord Jesus Christ, still found at the last where the Lord first put us, when he plucked us as a brand from the burning and set us in the way of our Lord Jesus Christ. May the Lord add his blessing. Amen.